think, I think she's going to make up for that third one. I thought the parent, when, when Elena arrived in our lives, we were like, oh, this parenting thing is easy. What are people talking about? This is a piece of cake. She, arrived, she arrived home from the hospital, slept through the night. We didn't miss any sleep. I said, okay, we can do this. And then Zoe arrived. <laughs> and it's been two years, and I still don't think we have slept a full night. But uh, in the same way, we know that the Lord has given them their personalities, their giftings, and we are believing that God is going to use them uh, in a powerful way if he tarries. Amen. Uh, so that is my beautiful family, and uh, a pastor introduced you uh, to Pastor Santi, Reverend Santi, who is uh, my father-in-law slash turned father, because he, uh, he has been a blessing to my life, uh, to my ministry. Uh, they have allowed me to just uh, take his daughter, steal his daughter uh, for a season, and he said, you ain't going to take her too long, so now he's here with us as well. Um <laughs> uh, but no, we are blessed to have uh, him, his, uh, his wife, who again have become second parents uh, to me and a blessing to our, to our family. As I said uh, earlier, again, I get to serve our youth in the discipleship department. There's no way I can get up here, even though I know Micah is doing an amazing job and the leaders to, to just keep our events and what we're doing at the youth department in front of you. But please, if you can... Um, as we're getting ready to get back into all the events that we have and all the things that we prepare for our young people and for our kids, allow your kids and your students to be a part of that. Uh, um, again, everything that we do at the state level is to empower the local church, but at the same time, our camps, our uh, junior talents, our, our Ignite rallies, all, everything that's coming up uh, is so that our young people can see that there is really an army in Ohio of young people that are on fire for Jesus. And when they're able to come together and they're able to see what God wants to do in their generation and through their generation, it only empowers them to come back to the local church and walk out their purpose. And you're going to see how uh, your church is going to benefit uh, from all that we're doing. So I just encourage you, go on our website, OhioCOG.com. You'll see all the events and everything that we have going on there. And again, I know Pastor Mike and Elizabeth are doing an amazing job. So grateful for you guys and your entire team um, in all that you do. How many are ready to jump into the word? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that God has a special uh, word for us this morning. And uh, I believe he's going to speak to us. Uh, I, I pray that, again, um, as, as the word challenges us, that you receive it. Um, and if it hurts a little bit, don't take it out on me. Take it out on God. It's his word. I, I, I pray that we can laugh a little bit this morning as well. I believe uh, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, so he wants us to laugh a little bit. Um, and I promise uh, to behave. Because, again, I said I want to come back. I don't want to. We're, we're family. But it's a starting point. It's not the end-all, be-all. That's where this journey begins is through salvation. Uh, but one of the greatest things that I think we get through salvation and what Jesus has done for us is that he brings us a part of this amazing family. Um, so in me, you have a Dominican and Puerto Rican cousin, nephew, cousin, whatever your age is, grandson, throw me right in there. Uh, you are a multicultural family, if you did not know that. Uh, and uh, my, my prayer 
My prayer this morning is just that uh, I am not that family member that you do not want to see at the family reunion. We, know, we all got one, you know. We all, we all got one. I just, I just pray that that's not me. And you say, no, I, I, want, him, I want him back with the family. Th- this morning, I, I just want to speak under, under the title, The Secret of Contentment. The Secret of Contentment. And if you have your Bibles or your iPhones, iPads, I'll ask you to turn to or turn on Philippians 4, 10 through 13. And if you're all right with it, I'm a little old school with it just to honor the word of the Lord. If we could just stand for the reading. Philippians 4. All right. There we go. special altar call for you at the end of service. If you did not know, you need uh, Jesus and the app to make it to heaven. He redeemed the app. Philippians 4, 10 through 13, and we read the word in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, because you have been moving in this place. You have the liberty and the freedom to do as you want to do. So I pray this morning, Lord, as I always ask you, that you open up the ears to hear and the eyes to see and that you open up our hearts to receive the word that you have for us this morning. Lord, I pray that you don't just tickle our emotions, Father God, Lord, but that your word that is alive and true will convict us, will will transform us this morning so that we can walk out in the true purpose that you have for us, that we can continue to be molded into your image, Father. So I pray, Lord, that we're ready to receive what it is that you have for us, Lord, and that it not only transforms us and works in us, Father God, but that that word works through us as we are your hands, that we are your feet for a dying world that needs to know what hope is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. You see, church, I I believe that we live in a time where most people are, are not satisfied or most people are not content in where they find themselves. And it would be easy to say, Pastor Max, how, how in the world can I find contentment when, when my reality isn't going the way that, that I want it to go or I expected it to go? How can I be content when the things that I have planned and the things that I desire are, are not going the way that they should go, that they are not lining up? How can you 
tell me to be content when I haven't been able to, to achieve my, my desires. But when we really look at it, it it's not just people that, that things are, are, are not going their way that live this, this dissatisfied life. But even, even successful people where, where it seems like everything has lined up for them and it seems like everything is going well in their lives when we begin to look at them, we can see that they even live a life that is not fully satisfied. And, and even though they've been able to achieve much, even though they've been able to gain much, they, they still live their life wanting to achieve more, wanting to, to have more. And please don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we need to be complacent. I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, thrive and try to, to reach and, and, and do things in our life. But there is this sense of, of discontentment that, that is just bred in this world. No matter how much you gain, I, I got to have more. I got to do more see so many famous people that for us we could say man they, they have it all they've done it all and, and yet it seems like there has to be some type of emptiness because we still see people like that take their lives and and, and not be satisfied where, where they're at in fact when we look at the the business world we're, we're able to see how hard it works to to breed this sense of discontentment in, in you and in i so that way you and I as consumers uh, would go ahead and, and purchase everything that they throw in front of us. They, they tell us that something is, is new, that something is in, improved. So that way we begin to feel like what we have is now outdated. It's, it's less than the best. Doesn't matter if you just got it. Doesn't matter if it's working for you. You now have this sense of like, man, it's just, it's just not, it's, it's not the new thing. of the future already here now. I mean, getting this new air conditioner is so insulting. And, and you see how so many people, simply because that number changes from a 22 to a 23, they begin to run out and go ahead and change what they got, even though it's been brand new. My bank account don't work that way, so I can't be doing that. And it really don't change much. Pretty similar. 2022 probably has blue lights inside. The new one probably has red lights inside. Listen, if your bank account works that way, I got a cousin, Jose, he could change that for you for the low, low. Save you some money. You could just give me a little bit of it, and we could just work this out. I told you I have two little girls, and my pockets is empty because of them two. You see, uh, sanctifying us daily. He's working on us daily. That even means for us that are up here on the pulpit. We're not perfect. So I struggled with this thing right here. The iPhone. Now, again, even though I, I look a little young, for me, it was when the iPhone started to come out, you could have just purchased it online 
the way that you can now and pre-order and have it at your house the same day. But I was one of those people that as soon as a new iPhone came out, I needed to have it. And when the iPhone started to come out, you had to wait in line at the mall in order to get it. So I was one of those people that would stay overnight to make sure that, that I had that new phone. And again, it, they don't really change much from one number to the other. Still do the same thing. But I, I just had to have it. But how many know that the Lord works in mysterious ways? And that he sent me a wife and two girls to stop me from being able to wait in line or order online to always have the newest phone. But church, the reality is that people will never feel satisfied and they will never feel content when they are being driven by the mentality that this world is always trying to sell us. When we're being dictated by our circumstances and our surroundings and we're not being guided by the one thing that we should truly be founded on, which is Christ and Christ alone. When we look at the dictionary, at the definition of contentment, we see that it says that it is a state of happiness or satisfaction. When we look at it from a biblical perspective, it says that uh, contentment is an internal satisfaction that is anchored to our confidence in God that results in a joyful life no matter the external circumstances. It is a complete satisfaction in God that then is going to produce a joy. It's going uh, to produce a, a, a life of gratitude in the Lord that will not be able to be shaken, that will not be able to be moved regardless of the circumstance that comes your way. And the Apostle Paul, he was able to come to understand this. He was able to, to grab a hold of this, but it says that it was something that he had to learn and he had to come to understand. Church, the first thing that we have to, to learn and understand is that contentment is a learned state. It's a learned state. You see, Paul, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi from, from jail. He is on house arrest and he's sitting in this this prison because of these corrupt officials and these uh, false accusations that were placed over him and he's now awaiting this possible execution that could come and in the midst of this situation he tells us how we're able to find contentment. The answer is buried in this thank you note that he's writing to the church of the Philippians and, and, and he's writing this to them because they had sent him a special love offering. And he wants to express his gratitude to them. He wants to express his heartfelt thanks, but at the same time, he doesn't want them to think that Christ was not enough for every one of his needs before that offering arrived. E even though he had gone through difficult situations and he had gone through affliction, the way that verse 14 tells us, he doesn't want the Philippian church to think that he was discontent before the offering arrived. But, but he does want them to know that their, their generosity was truly uh, appreciated. So, so he combines this great lesson on the secret of contentment. You see, Paul had gone through, through situations in his life that taught him where true contentment is found. 
Notice that the Apostle Paul says that he learned to be content in all conditions. It wasn't something that came natural to him, and I believe that it probably wasn't an instant transformation. Now, don't get me wrong. I I believe that God is all-powerful and almighty, and he can change things in a moment. I've seen him do it. He can break addictions in a moment. He can bring healing in a moment. God can do it. He's able to. But in my life, I've seen that many times when he's working through things and he's and he's trying to get me through things. Many times it's not a a instant thing, but it's a process. It's a process. There's things that as we get closer to God and we uh, allow him to have room and space in all areas of our life, he he begins to, to work out in us. And the key of that process in our life is to understand that everything, it doesn't matter how big it is, it doesn't matter how small it is, everything is under God's sovereignty. Everything is under his control. There is nothing that catches our God by surprise. We didn't know COVID was going to hit us the way that it did, but it didn't catch him by surprise. When you find yourself in financial struggle, when you find yourself battling with health, when you find yourself battling with things that you feel like you cannot control, it may have hit your doorstep out of a sudden, but it does not catch him by surprise. It does not move him from his seat. He is still on the throne. The thing is, not only is he seated on the throne, not only is he sovereign and able to, we allow him, he's able to use all of our circumstances to to train us in godliness if we simply are able to submit and trust him in all situations. Then we become able to learn where contentment is found. Because contentment is not something that comes natural to us. Notice that the Apostle Paul says it twice. He says it in verse 11 and in verse 12 that he had learned to be content. And I've found that many times when things are repeated in the Bible, the Lord does it because he knows that a lot of times that first time is just going to go right over our head. So he says, I don't want you to miss this here. So, so, So a lot of times he has to repeat it and probably say it a little bit different. So in verse 11, he says, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. And then in verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. I have learned. I I, I have learned. Because it doesn't come natural. Now, now I told you I want to be the family member that's able to come back. Say, Pastor, I I don't want to offend nobody today. I'm not going to talk about you. This is my first time at Rightly Pike. I, we're just getting to know each other. But I know myself for 35 years now. I had to live with myself. I got no choice. So I think I know myself pretty good. You know yourself pretty good. What comes natural to Matt is to compare myself to others. What comes natural to Matt to always want more than what I have. Even though if what I have is enough. 
What comes natural to Max is to compare someone else's good fortune or what's happening well in somebody else's life as if it's coming at my expense. It's easy for us, for, for me, to make it about myself. What comes natural to Max is to find something always to complain about. It's not hard. Not only that, but you don't you don't have to teach these things. You look at kids, they naturally carry this. I can remember when when I got married, Rebecca and I, uh, when she seen that the engagement was getting ready to come, she sat down with me and she she shared some some issues that she carried that possibly would have made it difficult for her to have any kids. She said, you know what, this may be difficult. If it's going to be a deal breaker, then, you know, let's just stop this now. I said, look, we'll, we'll deal with that when we get there. We'll pray, and if the Lord is desiring for us to have kids, then, then that's going to happen. We get married. A month into the marriage, we get home one night, and she goes, surprise. I said, you just wanted to make sure we had kids fast. But we received our, 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 our blessing of Elena early in. Now, there's two things. It doesn't matter how much counseling, how much training you go through that you just got to learn as you go, and that's being a husband and being a father. I'm just saying. So I've just become a husband and trying to figure this thing out, and now I'm finding out I'm going to be a dad. So I remember in that season, I, I began to look at other fathers and see how how, how, how they deal with their children and, and how they interact. And uh, my mom, she owns a daycare center now in, in Florida, but at that time in, in Pennsylvania. But I remember going back and spending time with my with my mom and, and again, just seeing how she was with the kids and, and really just, kind of, again, my mindset was just like, okay, I need to get ready for this. I can't mess up this child. And, and, and as I was preparing this, the Lord just began to bring some of that stuff to my remembrance. I, and you've seen it come out with what I said, and I say it in a joking manner, but I truly believe that God has called us, even with our differences, to be one people. I love culture. I, I, I love embracing different cultures. I, I love us being able to be one because, again, it expresses how large our God is. And who we are and our differences, they're not erased by the blood. They just come under the blood. Okay? So, so when we are able to interact with people that are different than us and have different cultures than us, it only serves to show how large our God is as he expresses who he is through our, 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 our differences. But there are also some things in different cultures that I'm like, you need to step out of this culture. My mom began to do something with, with us, and she did it with the kids at the daycare that I don't know where she picked it up because it's not part of the Dominican-Puerto Rican culture. But what she would do is that if it was my birthday, she would give me a gift. It was a little bit more expensive. If I asked for something, she'd work hard and try to get it. But so my brothers would not feel bad. She would go to the dollar store, get them a dollar gift so that they would have something as well. They have their day that they were born. I want my gift and a dollar gift. I told you, we know how to make it about us. Like, I want it all. That's my day. Why are we sharing? She would do this at the daycare as well. 
But I don't know if, if you notice, have you ever given as a grandparent, as a parent, an aunt, an uncle, have you ever given a gift to a child? Something that they have asked for, something that you've worked for, you know, it costs you some money. And you give the gift to the child. And in that moment, you are the greatest grandparent, parent, aunt, uncle, you're just, you're just it. And then moments later, you bring out the cheap gift. You bring out the dollar gift. You give it to the other child. And what does the child with the expensive gift begin to do? Throw it to the side and fight and cry because they want what the other one has. You don't teach that. That naturally begins to happen. And then what do we do as adults? Now we have to train them. No, this is yours, this is theirs. If they want to share, we have to train them how to be content. Train them how to be satisfied with what they have received. How many times don't we act like that in our spiritual lives? God is wanting to do something in us, through us, but because we're focused on what God may be doing in somebody else's life, because we may feel like what God is doing in them isn't the same as us and what's going on, we begin to focus on the dollar gift because what God has for them is for them. And it's a, an expensive gift in their hands, but in your hands it's, it's, it's just a dollar gift because that's not what you have been created for. And many times we can't walk in the fullness of what God has for us because we're being focused on, on, on the other and not satisfied with what God wants to do. How can God be using them like that? They just got here yesterday. I've been here for two years. I've been here for five years, 10 years, 20 years. What, what's going on? Many times we don't allow room for God to do what he wants to do in the other. We don't walk out in the fullness of what God has for us. We're not content. Contentment is not natural for us. It's something that we grow in and learning over time. And I believe that as the apostle Paul grew in his relationship with Christ, the closer he went from, from a state of not being content to a state of knowing what contentment truly was. Church, I believe that the more we grow in God, the more we grow in contentment. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 gives us a perfect example of the Apostle Paul living in contentment in the midst of pain, in the midst of discomfort, in the midst of bad circumstances. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And even more, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. The apostle Paul is living in a state that no matter what he is going through, no matter where he finds himself, no matter what is surrounding him, he was content. It was hurting. It was difficult. But he was content because he knew that even in that difficult moment, even in that struggle, 
Christ was keeping him and Christ was working through him. Even though it wasn't the most easiest situation. Paul finds himself suffering. Paul finds himself going through it and yet he says that he rejoices. He says that he rejoices. Doesn't doesn't sound right to us. Even though he's in pain and even though he has to go through, he says that he rejoices because the name of Jesus is being glorified. The name of Jesus is being exalted despite his circumstances. And he takes it even further. He says, not only is the Lord being glorified despite my circumstance, but even it's my chains that that God is using. It is my pain, it is my hurt, it is that thing that I'm always trying to run away from and get out of. That is the thing that Christ is using to bring glory to his name. Even though it hurts and even though I'm in discomfort, yet those are the moments that God is using to be glorified. I tell you, church, that we're going to go through similar moments in our lives. We're going to go through moments where we feel alone. We're going to go through moments where we feel abandoned. We're going to go through moments where we feel out of place. And instead of trying to run out of those situations, instead of always praying, God, get me out. God, remove this thing. We need to learn how to embrace those moments in our lives. We need to learn to embrace God in those moments instead of trying to quickly run out of those moments. Because those are the moments that are going to grow us. Those are the moments that we're going to learn to be content in Christ and Christ alone. We'll also learn that in the middle of the circumstances, God is being glorified. It's in those moments that we truly learn who God is. Not just from a place of of knowledge, not just reading about it. But truly knowing who he is. I can read that God is a provider. But how will I ever know him as provider if I have no need? I can read that he heals. But how would I ever know him as a healer if I never go through sickness? It is those moments that as humans we, want, we don't want to have to face that give us the greatest opportunity to know that Christ is not only there in the good times, but he's there in the bad times. In those moments that nobody else wants to deal with, he says, I'm here. And I want to make your burdens light. I want you to be able to cast them upon me. And I want to be more than enough for you. Not only do I want to be more than enough for you, I also want to be more than enough through you. He wants to use our chains. He wants us to get to a place of Paul that says, I know it hurts. I know I'm going through, and I don't know why I find myself in this situation. I don't know why I have to endure, but God, I rejoice in you. Because you're using my chains think about Acts 16 
that as a Pentecostal church, we know the story of Paul and Silas at the midnight hour. Paul and Silas, they, they, they find themselves in this prison because they just brought healing to this fortune teller and they, they caused a mess for this, for this city. And now they find themselves in, in this prison and in the midnight hour they begin to worship the Lord. And we love this as a Pentecostal church because at the midnight hour when things are going wrong, all we got to do is lift our voice and worship the Lord. And we know that he is able to respond. He's able to break the chains. He's able to open up the door so that we can walk out. And I believe it. That's usually where we stay, though. We usually pastor preach it from that moment of your chains will be broken and your doors will be open and you will come out bigger and better than ever. And we shout and we rejoice. And I believe all that. I said he can do it instant. But when we read Acts 16 a little bit further, the Lord does answer their worship and their prayers. He does open the door and he does break the chains. But when he does that, Paul and Silas, they stay. Now, when I read the Bible, I told you, it's our cultures, who we are, aren't erased by the blood. They just come over under the blood. So when I read the Bible, my imagination just goes. People from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, we, we just we have a great imagination. We exaggerate things a lot. So when I read the Bible, all of who I am reaches with me. So I kind of come in. So whoever I'm reading about for that moment becomes Dominican and Puerto Rican just for that moment. I'm just saying might be bad theology. Forgive me then later on, Pastor Ron. And since I'm a little bit younger, I don't put myself in Paul's shoes. I put myself in Silas' shoes. So if I'm sitting there and, and, and I'm praying and, and Paul tells me, Silas, let, let's pray so that the Lord can make a way of escape for us. And we are praying and we are seeking and I see that my chains are literally broken and the door is literally open. I'm out. I'm like, okay, let's go. It's time to go. Paul sits. I can imagine Paul is asking, Paul, Paul, what you prayed for, he answered it for us. Chains are broken, doors are open. back to a young Silas saying, I, I see it. I see that our chains are broken. I, I see that the doors are, are open. But God still is God. God still got me. And then I'm a young Silas. I'm, I'm reading this. And I can just imagine the conversation going on. And I'm going to respond back to the great apostle Paul and say, okay, well, while the Lord finishes, can I run some you outside? <laughs> Doors open, chains broken, prayers answered for them, but yet they stay. They stay. 
to the other view of the story from from the jailer, it says that that he gets up and he also sees the doors open and he also sees the chains broken. But in his mindset, there is no way that these people who were hurt and were awaiting a possible execution in their own life, there's no way that they're still here when their prayer has been answered. There's no way that they're still sitting here when their chains have been broken and their doors haven't been opened. They had to leave, and that means that now I'm in trouble. My life is going to be taken, so I might as well go ahead and take my own life. That's what, again, I'm adding a little bit to it, but that's what, what it says. He woke up and was ready to take his life. And in that moment, as he's getting ready to take his life, I can imagine the Apostle Paul saying, Silas, here it goes. And the moment that he's getting ready to take his life, the Apostle Paul can imagine him saying, hey, hold on. We're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. And because even though the Lord had answered his prayer and the chains were broken for them and the doors were open and they could have ran out, because they sat, because they waited, I believe that the opportunity was open, not simply for the jailer to get saved right away, but for conversation to begin to happen. And I can imagine the jailer saying, hold on, your chains were broken. You didn't even have to deal with this thing anymore. Why did you stay here? Why did, did, did you sit in that place when you could have received your own freedom? And I can imagine the Apostle Paul saying, because I know that my God is more than enough for me, but I want you to experience the same freedom. I want you to experience the God who did this for me. And it says not only the jailer but his whole house received salvation. Because the, the gospel that you and I have been saved with not a selfish gospel. It's not just so that we can receive the benefits for ourselves. But the same way that we have freely received, we shall too freely give. So we have to understand that if the Lord is allowing us to go through certain things in our life and we're having to endure, it's not only because the Lord wants to grow us. Not only because the Lord wants to do something in us, but he also wants to do something through us. He wants to do something through us. I, I don't know if this happens in your family, but a lot of my family members that don't know the Lord, they don't want to hear anything about Jesus and, and what's going on with me and what I'm doing until they're going through something. In the moment when they're going through through literally hell is when that phone rings. Hey, can you pray for me? E e even people that are non-believers or, or, or atheists, you even see that in moments you hear a cry out to God in a moment where they feel like they're, they're completely lost. And if we as believers that proclaim of God of healing, of God of, of provision, a, a, a God that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask. If we're not able to stand in the midst of the storm, in the midst of difficult moments, 
how will they come and respond and really believe? How will they believe that our our actions or, or, or what we say is not simply lip service, but actually fleshed out in our life. And if I'm being honest, it, it's easier said than done. It, it's hard to be content in difficult situations. It, it preaches better than what it's lived out. I know that. It, it's it's hard to feel satisfied and confident and, and joyful when others are, are ridiculing us because of where we find ourselves. It's hard to find contentment when we're being falsely accused or when the medical result doesn't come out the way that we expected it to. When we've been at a job forever, we've been praying for a promotion, and yet we don't get it, and somebody that started yesterday gets it. It's hard to find contentment when our plans suddenly change or when death suddenly hits our door or, or, or a financial crisis automatically hits without us expecting it. It's hard to feel content when things aren't going our way. It's hard to find contentment in the strength on our own. That's exactly why he ends the verses that we read earlier. We get down to Philippians 4.13. Who gives me strength? Right? You can't do it on your own. But you can through the power of Christ, through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Philippians 4.13, one of the verses that I believe is most known in the Bible by Christians and those outside of it after John 3.16. But many times outside of the church and in the church, we use it out of context. We use it to gain something in the future. You want to start a business? Go ahead, because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You want to win a ball game? It's on Smith or Stephen Curry. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So we use it to get something in the future. Again, I, I believe we can apply it there, but in the context of the text, it's not about gaining more. It's not about reaching more. It's about sustaining. It's about remaining. It's about enduring in the midst of hardship. God, God I, I, I feel like I don't have the strength to continue on, and if you don't do anything today, if you don't respond right now, if you don't get me out right now, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make it. And God is saying, no, you can endure, you can stand strong, not by your own might, not by your own power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I'm going to have the worship team to begin to come up. I don't know how you arrived here today. And usually when you get a, 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 a special speaker to come in, he motivates you to say you're coming out stronger. You're about to gain your promised land. It's going to be something very motivational. And I may not come back or be invited back. Because instead of telling you, hey, we're going to come out, I'm telling you, that may not be the case this morning. You may have to 
to continue to deal with what you came with today. The storm that you have been carrying and fighting through and praying, God, remove it, get me out. Today may not be the day of exit. Today the Lord may be challenging you and telling you this morning, I haven't forgotten you. I see what you're going through. I see what you're having to carry. I see the hurt. I, I, I see the weight. And I'm hearing your prayers. You're not praying silent prayers. I'm hearing you. And I am present. I don't leave you and I don't forsake you. But there's something that I still want to do in the season in which you find yourself. I want to be more than enough for you. I'm going to answer your prayers. I want to be enough for you. But I also want to be more than enough through you. And could it be that because we're so blinded by our own situations, and what we're having to deal with, that our eyes have been blinded to the needs of other people that are in that same situation, that are around you in that same season. But because we've been so overwhelmed and we haven't allowed the Lord to be more than enough for us, the weight hasn't allowed us to be more than enough for others. So this morning, as the worship team gets ready to lead us in worship, the altar is going to be open for us to be able to just come alongside you and pray with you. Or if you want to find a place to come before the Lord and for you to speak with him for yourself. And the prayer isn't just God remove and God get me out, but God help me endure. Because the thing is, he's already made a way of escape. He, he's already made a way for you to get out. He's going to answer that prayer. We can trust and be assured of that. So your prayer should be, God, while I wait for that door, that will surely open. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the peace. Give me what is needed this morning to be able to remain, to be able to endure. We sang a song this morning. And the words of this song really just stuck out to me. And a lot of times I, I think we sing things without really meaning them or knowing what we're singing. I heard a preacher once say, and this saying stuck with me, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> and it's true because, again, a lot of times we sing of a, of a God that heals and a God that is all-powerful. When it comes, push the shove, and we're actually having to be in a moment where those words, we're needing them to be true. 
Are they really true? Or do we search for answers in so many other places? But often ultimately realize that nothing can satisfy. That nothing will be able to bring the health, the peace, and the joy that we need. But Jesus. And I love the words of this song engraved into gardens. I searched the world and they couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are, are never enough. But then you came along and, and you put me back together. And now every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along.
our desperations. There are those whose lives seem to be falling apart, marriages, relationships crumbling, life seems to be at its worst. We come to an understanding there's not going to be any other answer. I need God to those who come in that are bound by drugs or alcohol or some addiction. They've tried everything they can in the world and they feel all empty and broken on the inside. They come in and they say, I need God. Why are you here this morning? Are you one of those that you're facing something of crisis? You just feel like you just drifted so far away from a true relationship with the Lord. Then you're one of those. One of us who say, I need God. And even those who are on fire for the Lord and love Jesus with all their heart may be facing all the powers of hell raging against them. They'll go to church and they'll say, I need God. I just wonder if there's anybody in this house that under the sound of my voice that will come forward and say, I need God. I need God. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to fool around. I just need God. I came here because I need God. And I want you to know he will welcome you. He will receive you. But you've got to leave your seat and say, you know, I need God. I need God in my circumstances. I need God in my life. I need God to work out this. I'm going to fail unless I have God. I want you to leave your seat now. They're going to sing some more. And I want those in this house that are hungry and say, you know, I need God. I need God. I'm going through something. I'm going to get through it, but I need God. I need God. I hunger for him. I long for him. I need him in my life. Maybe you're here this morning. And i tell you what, Max delivered the word of God this morning. And there's no way I could ever even want to try to add to what he said. Talking about being content in such state that we're in. I want you to know God will give you that contentment and peace right now. He'll give you that strength. But there are those in this house that you're backslidden. You're away from God. You need the Lord. And you can say, I need God. Or maybe you're lost. You've never been a Christian. And you need Jesus in your life. Now's the opportunity. Make that decision. This is your moment. God has set this up on you. He set up this moment just for you. I want you to come and join those up here right now. And if you know if you're with someone and, and they need the Lord and they need some encouragement, you go to that. You you give them a nudge and say, hey, I'll walk up with you. You don't have to walk up by yourself. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to love God with you. We're going to pray together. We're going to search and, and ask for God together because I need God. There's some, some more. There's some 
There's some seasoned saints in the house. You've been struggling, and you know how you're going to make it. You need to come up here and say, I need God to move and operate in my life. Not going to play around. Not going to play games. Oh, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. Hallelujah. Brother Max, God's given you anointing today. I want you to just Better. 
raise your hand if you believe that. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better. Mercy and grace won't find me 